Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Markets 360 podcast. We cover the topics that matter from the global economy to market strategy. Hello, I'm Trevor Allen, Head of Sustainability Research here at Markets 360 for BNP Paribas. And I'm joined today by Paola Lamedica, Head of Credit for ESG Strategy. It's Tuesday morning here in London on the 7th of March, 2023. In 2022, much of the investors' focus was on corporates and their pledges to reach net zero targets. However, in 2023, the honeymoon looks to be over. The real question now is, are corporates really transitioning towards their targets? How much progress have they made? And most importantly, which sectors and even which issuers could investors look to start to avoid? We asked Pala of these burning questions. Hello, Pala. Can you start by sharing with us what is the evidence saying? Are we there yet in terms of these targets? Good morning, Trevor. Um, let me say, your questions are burning all right. When we look at the evidence on how corporates are progressing, it is not looking good, uh, at least not yet. There is a bright side, and it's the fact that corporates have good intentions. To give you an example, a survey by Accenture shows that half of the largest European corporates have net zero targets. What is less bright, though, is the fact that the same analysis also shows that only 7% of corporates are projected to reach net zero by 2050. And that's assuming the current trend continues. So these are pretty dramatic numbers. Now, Climate Action 100, which is an initiative led by investors, is more upbeat, but it still shows that less than 20% of corporates have a decarbonization strategy. But surely, with more scrutiny on transition plans, Stakeholders and investors are starting to put more pressure on corporates, no? Yes, you are right. This is totally the case. Corporates are starting to feel the heat, and that's from several angles. First, shareholder resolutions are up, and for the first time in the US, climate resolutions are the number one type of shareholder's resolution. Second, litigations are up and expanding beyond oil and gas. So think plastic, agriculture, and food, transport. Third and last, consumers. So paradoxically, this is what CEOs believe will be the biggest driver behind their sustainability management. Paolo, you mentioned sectors. How does this analysis trickle down to individual sectors? Sector analysis contains one of the key takeaways of this analysis, and one that for me has yielded uh, the most surprising findings. My findings are these. Um, It is a high emitting sectors that are head and shoulders above other sectors in terms of the number of net zero targets. But they are also the sectors less likely to reach those targets by a mile. Wow, and when you say high-emitting sectors, do you mean the usual suspects? Indeed. Um, No price for guessing this one. Um, Fossil fuel, materials, chemicals, uh, transportation, you name it, uh, they're up there. Um, Let's throw some numbers on the table. 
So 50% of fossil fuel companies have net zero targets. For materials, transportation, food and beverage, it's about 40%. And this is by far uh, the highest proportion across sectors. And not too shabby when compared to the fact that only 25% of companies in the other sectors have uh, net zero targets. Okay, lots of net zero targets then. It all sounds quite pleasing so far. What's the catch? Unfortunately, it does not sound uh, so pleasing once we take a look at when these high emitters are projected to reach uh, net zero. If we take a look at natural resources, these are expected to reach net zero in 2060. Um, chemicals, energy, consumers and aerospace and defense are also late bloomers on average five years after 2050. Okay, I take it back. What do you think the impact could be on investors? I think it depends on how green funds are positioned relative to these sectors. Um, are you overweight or underweight? So to answer this question, we looked at the portfolio holdings of the biggest Article 9 and Article 8 funds. Hmm. My guess is that Article 9 funds have extreme underweights in tobacco and oil and gas and probably also in mining as well as aerospace and defense. I mean, you're spot on. So the conclusion is that Article 9 are avoiding all the sectors most likely to miss their net zero targets. Um, there are only two sectors where we would be more cautious than the current fund allocation, um, and these are construction and food. And we see two key risks for them, um, overly optimistic transition targets and increasing litigation risk. Very interesting, Paula. What do you see when looking into Article 8 funds? It is a very different story here. Our findings strongly suggest that Article 8 funds are a lot more dynamic in how they manage their sector allocation. So, for example, Article 8 funds were underweight oil and gas in Q3 2022, but that is no longer the case. So, oil and gas is now less underweight than pharma or, or food. So, in terms of sectors, I think chemicals is where we disagree the most with the current Article 8 uh, allocation. We think that investors should be a lot more underweight than they currently are, based on what we said uh, before. But surely we cannot blanket label all corporates and high-emitting sectors as all bad. Totally, and we can definitely end on a positive note. Um, in our analysis about climate transition, we have also looked at individual issuers. We've taken a deep dive into free of the highest emitting sectors, chemicals, oil and gas, and, and mining, uh, to find out which corporates are on the right track to meeting climate targets and which are not. So uh, for each issuer, the idea is to plot the quality of the corporate's transition targets against the progress towards these targets. So basically, it's uh, ambition versus reality. 
So to judge the quality of the targets, we use primarily scope one, two, and three, intermediate targets and SBTI approved targets. And progress, on the other hand, has also been uh, judged on, on reporting mechanism. Very interesting, Pella. Where did you get the data from for this framework? We wanted to ensure a well-rounded analysis, uh, which is why we decided to use four different databases. So our initial findings are based on MSCI, but we have then complemented MSCI with data from CDP, Net Zero Tracker, and World Benchmarking Alliance, which is a multi-stakeholder initiative which actually ranks companies on their sustainability performance. So using, using this data, we have uh, plotted each company along two axes, the quality of targets and the progress towards these targets. So the full list of issuers um, that we dealt with can be found in the publication, which bears the same name as this podcast. So ultimately, we have differentiated those issues where all four data providers agree on progress, uh, both good and bad. But there are also issues where the opinions among providers are wildly different. And I think that's proof that the game is not over yet. Thank you for your insights, Paolo. And if you don't have access to Paolo's full research, please ask your salesperson for how you can access our credit research on our Markets360 web portal. That is all from us here today at the Sustainability Desk here at BNP Paribas Global Markets. I would like to thank Paolo for joining us, and I would like to thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again soon. This communication does not constitute research, a recommendation, or any form of advice from BNP Paribas or its affiliates. It does not consider your financial circumstances or objectives, and it may not be suitable for you. It should not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part.